Welcome to Episode 7 of Speak Better. I'm Rebecca Lindquist, also known as Lindquist the Linguist, and this podcast is all about learning to speak more clearly, effectively, comfortably, whether you're a native or a non-native speaker of American English. And in this episode, we're going to talk about correction, that is, correcting yourself and getting others to help you. Now, one of the biggest questions clients have asked me over the years is, how can I get other people, native speakers, to correct me? And my answer to that might be that we need to learn to correct ourselves. However, before we go there, let's answer the question more directly. How do you get Americans to correct you when you speak English, if it's not your first language? Well, first of all, culturally, it's not a really comfortable situation. It's kind of embarrassing to tell someone they did something wrong. And if you're from a culture where it's okay to correct people and where it's expected, you may not understand that part. So just being aware that you're asking someone to do something that is culturally uncomfortable. That's sort of where it comes from initially. And someone may not want to correct you partially for that. But the other reason is that many native speakers don't know what they're doing right. Not everybody understands grammar and many people can't explain it to you. Remember, Americans often don't speak a second language, so many of us really don't know why we do what we do and how it's different from what someone else is doing, and it's sort of embarrassing to admit you don't know how to explain it. So they may not point out mistakes because they don't know how to explain what's going wrong with that mistake. They don't know how to explain how to do it correctly. The way around that is to ask people if it's someone that you feel is being supportive. Now, this is important because if it's someone that is disrespectful to you in some way and giving you negative feedback, it really isn't going to help you long term. So it has to be someone that has your best interests at heart. Let's say you pick someone, you're pretty sure that's the case. You can ask them to just jot down on a piece of paper or electronically. They could do it in an email or they could do it on their phone with an app or whatever on their calendar and hand it to you, email it to you, text it to you. But you want them to write down the things you say differently. It doesn't have to be grammatically incorrect. They may not know that. But anything you say that sounds funny or might not be correct for any reason, would you please just jot it down and send it to me? Let me know about it. And don't give them the expectation that they have to explain what you did wrong. What this does for you is it gives you data. And if we're looking for patterns and habits, it's a great way to find out what you're doing differently without maybe knowing yourself. Like you may realize I'm making mistakes, but I don't know what they are every time. And this way you get all this information. If you have more than one person doing it, you may realize that some of them point out the same issues. And then you can get a sense of, wow, it's that a vowel. All these words have a in common. That's the vowel that I'm really having trouble with. Like the word habit. Maybe you're saying hobbit, H-O-B-B-I-T, right? And not H-A-B-I-T. So you need to know that. And you may not be aware of it. So that is really key to ask the person to jot things down for you without expecting them to explain it or without even knowing what's wrong, just knowing that it sounds funny or different. That's for non-native speakers. If you're a native speaker, think about helping others by pointing those things out. But of course you want to ask permission and you want to do it privately. 
So one of the things for native speakers is to have a conversation with someone. Let's say you have a colleague who's Chinese, for example, and this person is making some mistakes when they speak English. You might ask them privately if they would be comfortable with you pointing out some of the issues and voice your intention that you really want to help them become a more effective speaker. And you feel that if they fix some of these issues that you're hearing, that they would be a better speaker. That's simply, and then see how they react. And if they're a little embarrassed, that could be okay. And they may say yes or no. If they say no, obviously respect it. But I think you'll find that many times non-native speakers want feedback. They want support. They want to know what they're doing differently. So getting correction from others is important. The other caveat to this is be careful even with supportive people. For example, spouses are probably not a great source of correction or romantic partners. Again and again, I hear from people that it taxes their personal relationships to have their spouse or romantic partner criticizing their English. Generally not a good place to go. If it works for you, great, but in my experience, it just doesn't work for people. You probably want to pick a neighbor, a friend, a colleague, someone that isn't directly necessarily, even like your boss might not be a good choice, but someone that can just support you, but will do it pretty consistently with giving you language samples. Back to our initial question, though, about correction. How do I know when I'm doing something wrong? You're not always going to get correction from other people. You do have to self-correct. And again, you go back to those recordings. You have to be able to hear it. You have to know when you said something wrong. That's a big eye-opener in terms of awareness. You have to know. And I should say ear-opener because you have to be able to hear it. And initially, we don't often in another language. You have to become aware of it. And you have to know how to change it, what to change it to. You may have to do some research to find out what's going on with the mistake you're making. But once you know that you're misusing or not doing something correctly, then you have to be able to control it. And that's the other challenge. Be forgiving to yourself. If you make a mistake, just own it. It's okay to make mistakes. But you want to start noticing so that you can self-correct. And if it's something really common, if it's an everyday word that you're consistently saying incorrectly, it's often harder to change, believe it or not. If it's a brand new word and you say it wrong and immediately you learn that you said it wrong, you can say it correctly. But if it's a word that's really familiar to you that for many, many years you've said differently, it's often extremely difficult to change. But you probably have to self-correct out loud about 300 times it sounds like a lot, 300 times, but if you do that, you'll start to say it correctly. So let's say the word is something, and you've been saying something, and you don't ever stop, and you don't ever correct yourself, and a native speaker points out to you, you don't really say the word something, you're actually saying something, which sounds strange. So you learn to say something, and then one day you say something, and you catch yourself, and you stop, and you self-correct out loud. You have to articulate it. Don't just think it. Say, I meant something. And if you do that enough times, it will change. Now, I understand that's a credibility buster in front of other people in a meeting. So you have to practice outside of work potentially, but it is really important to self-correct aloud. That will start to create change. That's one example. Other things, you have to figure out what you could do differently. It isn't always so simple, like a word you mispronounced. It might be that you just don't communicate as clearly as you'd like in general. You don't pick the right expressions. You don't have a variety of expressions. You don't sound conversational. You sound too stilted. You sound like written English rather than spoken English. You just don't like the way you show up. 
And that, in a way, can be easier to change because it's all about the language that's in your head. And often when people tell me that, non-native speakers, it's because they're speaking their own language at home with family. And I understand that that's okay to do and there are reasons to do that. But if your goal in life right at this moment is to improve your accent, then you might want to distance yourself from that a bit and speak English more often and begin to speak with people who speak well Surround yourself by people who speak with the expressions and the fluidity and the fluency that you desire. And if you surround yourself with those people, then you'll get to a point where that's the language in your head. Now, if you don't have those people around you, maybe you live in a different place or for whatever reason, you're not around native speakers much, you can, of course, go to media sources. You know, you can choose people that you can watch on news shows and various forums where people sound clear. You know, it could be talk radio, for example. Go to places where the announcers, for example, speak so well or the guests speak very clearly. And you can pick people whose tonality is something you want to emulate. You know, there are people that you can listen to and say, wow, I love the way that person speaks. And in a sense, it's a role model to you. And that's fine. I think it's a shortcut for many people not to necessarily try to copy that person, but just simply to have someone to listen to, to get that voice in the head. Hey, this is kind of how I want to sound. Nothing wrong with that. And those can be shortcuts, and that's a correction of a sort because you'll start to hear how they speak and you might integrate some of the expressions. You have to be careful not to overuse expressions. So I knew a person years ago who used the word essentially all the time, and he would say essentially this, essentially that, and it got really boring to hear him use the word essentially. You want to have other things basically in general and then go from one term to the next. You know, not using that, not repeating the same word, but if you need to use that concept, you need to say basically over and over again, can you use other words to do it or other frames to do it? And the other piece, I think we've talked a bit about setting context before, is just the way that you introduce a topic. If you just start by, boom, introducing your main point, it can be a little too quick for people. It can be a little too direct for people. So you want to find ways to introduce things that aren't necessarily flowery. It's not about using too much language, but it's about introducing things with context and background in mind. You don't have to say, let me give you some background. That gets a little old, but you can just very quickly, you'll notice in my podcast, I often do this. I'll say yesterday we were talking about, or in the last episode, we discussed X and today we're going to talk about Y and tomorrow we're going to talk about Z or something will come up and I'll say, that's a topic we're going to delay for later. We'll go into more depth. Today we're going to focus on this. So it's just about being clear and context means that you tell people how it fits in, where it fits in, a little bit about it. I was actually hired years ago by several native speakers to work with their non-native speaking staff members and they said the most important thing was not clarity in speech that they were concerned with me helping the person with, but it was how to set context. So I think it's a very common thing for non-native speakers not to do and I'm sure for myself if I'm learning another language I probably wouldn't do a great job of setting context when speaking that language because it's hard enough just to say what you mean directly let alone to add all of the nuance and subtlety. However, if that's your goal, if maybe you've lived in the States for a while and you want to get to the next level, then of course it makes sense to work on that. And I call that also a correction. Today's topic is corrections, but correcting yourself and coming up with a way to sound more conversational, more connected, 
certain styles. You know, there are different styles that people speak in. And you may say, hey, I want to sound more like this person that's a role model to me or this person whose speech sounds so beautiful. It's great to have that sense so that you have something to model it after. And then you can proceed in that direction as long as you're not wed to it. Because after you've gotten to a certain level, you may say, hey, I really need to explore other things. Reading can be good. A lot of my clients used to say to me, hey, I want to read these magazines or whatever. Nothing wrong with reading. The only challenge is that reading and speech are very different animals. So if your goal is to improve your speech, you really have to go with speech. And that's where joining organizations, we talked earlier about Toastmasters, for example. There are lots of other organizations. Dale Carnegie is one in your organization, your company, there may be options. You want to find a place where you can practice. It doesn't have to be a formal club like that. It could be informal practice. I know there are meetups people go to, whether they're hiking or whether they're going out in nature or collecting pink poodles. I mean, there are all kinds of clubs and organizations that do different things, but getting involved in maybe some kind of a nonprofit or a volunteer organization, your child's school, a religious organization, it doesn't matter. The idea is that when you're with people who speak the language fluently, you're going to pick things up. And I find a lot of my clients spoke only to their families in their native tongue, and then they went to work. And that was it. And that was the extent of it. And if you're speaking only work language, it's really hard to get fluent in the language. I was surprised when I started out as a coach in this field, how many people said, hey, I have no problem giving a talk to the Fortune 500 company. No big deal. But to sit down and chat with somebody over dinner, now that's hard. And then I also met a woman who for Spanish, she was from uh, Puerto Rico. She was a coach who would speak in Spanish. She would go to lunch with executives and they would just have lunch with her and she would speak to them in Spanish the whole time. And it was a great way to make time in your day to learn the language. And it was social language because she didn't work at their company or know their technology or whatever their expertise area was. She would simply have a social conversation with them. And they found that very valuable. And it made me realize that, yeah, you know, as adults, we need to talk about all kinds of things. And it can be really limiting to only be able to talk about what you got your PhD in. So being corrected is important. Being open to being corrected. Telling people, hey, if I do something, if you hear me say something that isn't correct, I want to know and change it early on. Speaking of PhDs and dissertations, years ago I had a client who basically broke down in tears because the title of his dissertation was a word that he had been mispronouncing for years. And it came up in the coaching and I corrected him on it and he was just shocked. He kept saying the word over and over. And it's a simple word, like the word analog, you know, if you're pronouncing it analog, for example, then you don't realize because people let you do it and they don't want to correct you. And then you end up saying that word wrong for many, many years. So, and when, again, when I say wrong, I'm talking about a neutral American accent. It might be pronounced differently in another country. But the idea is that if you live in the U.S. and you want to pronounce things the way we do, it's really important to learn early on and to be open to those corrections. And if someone mentions it, you're able to address it. And you're able to not only hear it and know that you did it differently, but you're able to practice integrating it in your natural speech so that you say it correctly from then on. And so those are my thoughts on correction. 
it's really important not to work in a vacuum. You know, work with other people, classroom sorts of things, uh, conversations, all kinds of things can be great. It's not a specific item, but it's just the idea that you have to revisit language in different ways. And if you have kids, don't let that stop you. I have a lot of clients who tell me their kids are really hard on them when they have an accent. Kids can get embarrassed of it, or kids can use it to their advantage or to poke fun at you or to get you to do things you don't want to do kind of thing. Like you won't let them go out at late at night or something. So they'll make fun of your English or something. I mean, I hear about these crazy stories of how kids can say cruel things they don't mean. I'm sure they regret it later in life, but you really have to stay focused on improvement and not let things derail you. In a sense, getting a tougher skin around it and just continuously getting better. You don't need to compare yourself to anyone else or any specific standard in the sense of, hey, I need to be perfect. I need to be here. You just need to improve. You're only comparing yourself to yourself, and that's why you need a baseline. You need to record yourself and listen back to it and make sure you know how you sound and what you're good at and what's challenging for you so that you can improve it. And that's really the key to correcting yourself. And it doesn't just stand for accent. We'll be talking about other things. We talked earlier about voice. We talked about hemming and hawing, hedging language. We're going to be talking in the future about vocabulary, how to integrate that in greater depth, how to get a good vocabulary, how to sound less monotone, how to be more credible and decisive, how to connect to your audience. All these things require correction. And if you're not connecting to your audience, you need to know because you may think that you are. If you think your voice sounds great and people feel that it's pitchy or squeaky or throaty, you need to hear that in order to make a change. And you need to know if people don't understand or if they're disconnecting or they find you to be boring or whatever it is, there needs to be a way for them to communicate that to you without offending you. And then you need to translate it into something actionable. Break it down into baby steps and then make sure that you can do it. I heard the expression once to eat the elephant one bite at a time, which sounds ridiculous because no one would ever eat an elephant, I don't think. But the idea is that you can't change everything at once. That's a common mistake. That's where the order again comes in. So whatever the corrections are, you probably want to prioritize if you're a non-native speaker, vowels, consonants, endings, word stress, intonation, reduction, and then integration. And this I talked about in an earlier episode. If you go back, you'll hear about that in greater detail. As a native speaker, you still want to think about how do I break it down? Is it voice quality? Is it intention? Is it, you know, what is it that I'm doing? Because just being told that you sound indecisive or that you're not confident or you talk too fast is not terribly helpful. It's okay, but it can mean something other than how it appears. And one of the most common ones is this concept that people talk too fast. It's not just about slowing down. It's about learning to control your pacing and there can be psychological factors and lots of other things involved. So you want to get really clear on what it is that's causing you to sound the way you do and what it is that other people expect in certain forums and then buy into the changes you want to make and own those changes. Lots of information that we've gone over. I've so enjoyed discussing this with all of you. I look forward to the next podcast and we'll continue with more ways to improve your speech. 